and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16 um, in a message titled, Character Equals Culture. Uh, stand if you will. If you don't want to, that's okay, but if you can, that'd be great. Uh, and we will read these verses together, then we'll pray and get started. Let no one despise your youth. We also have the words up here. You guys like that? Did you like that? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Let no, good, because it's work, uh, but it's worthy work. Okay. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so, this will save both yourself and those who hear you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much we could come together and, and just open up your word. We know it's, it's sharp, it's living, it's, it's looking to exhort and uh, encourage and also correct and, you know, just do whatever you want in our lives, God. We, we know it's sharper than any two-edged sword that can cut um, just to the middle of all of our junk and even the things we don't think are things. Lord, we pray that you'd reveal to us the stuff that's holding us back and that you'd, uh, Lord, awaken us to uh, where you want us to go, the future and the hope we have in you. Um, God, so we thank you, God, so much for this time. Pray you fill us with your spirit. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. So if you guys remember last week, uh, Paul had been reminding uh, Timothy what a good minister looked like. Quick recap, Timothy, younger guy uh, who has been brought to Ephesus to deal with issues, right? Paul sent Timothy, and he couldn't go himself, so he sent Timothy to deal with some real issues that, that were taking place. There was this uh, issues of asceticism, and uh, it, it was like they were trying to get rid of being married, or they didn't think eating. It was all Gnostic, tied in with the Gnostic thinking and believing. And, and so it was ruining the church culture. And so Paul sent Timothy in, and he's like, go and, and, and write this ship. Get them on track. Get them looking to the word. Get them like growing. And, and not, they don't need to be neglecting eating. They need to be growing and eating the right stuff. They need to be built up, you know, grounded and, and become, you know, new creations in Christ. And so last week he was reminding him what a good minister looks like. It's one that's uh, been fed and, and, and like feeding people and been fed on, on the word, you know, and good doctrine. Growing up in that. Uh, that, that way the person who's leading knows what they believe and why they believe it. It's a big deal, right? Uh, I think one of the biggest issues we deal with was, is explaining what to do without explaining why to do it. And if you can say what to do without saying why to do it, then you don't really understand the what. And so that's part of the, the doctrine, understanding. Timothy, you've got to know this and you've got to understand this so that you can deliver it to others, Right? He encourages him to exercise himself towards godliness, right? And he uses the illustration of, you know, bodily exercise is is definitely has value. And we know that, right? 
and we talked about the values of discipline, the values of disciplining your body to get up and to work out and to exercise and how slow discipline, just a little bit at a time, makes a big difference when it becomes part of a practice. Have, have any of you guys done that this week with anything that we talked about that last week? Uh, I was doing it with something where I was like, you know, I want to make that more of a habit in my life. So I just do a little bit every day. And it was like, it becomes a habit. Like you even within like a week, you're like, this so totally works, you know. Imagine that, you know. But we, where you, you put together, uh, you put in the effort, you make it a routine, you make it part of what you do. It's a habit. It's part of what you are, and you will reap the benefits of bodily exercise. But so much greater is godliness. You exercise yourself towards godliness has value in this life, more value than, than bodily exercise in this life. And then, of course, way more value in the life to come because bodily exercise doesn't mean anything in that you know it's like were you ripped on earth you'll be ripped in heaven you haven't seen that verse you know but the 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 message we had last week was titled discipline equals freedom when we're really disciplined we find ourselves in the place of freedom Playing, we talk about playing the, the guitar. The better you get, the more free you can be. Any sport you play, the better you get, the more you work on fundamentals. You know, you work layups uh, in basketball, and you're like, this is boring. Well, that makes it so that you're ready when the time comes to improvise and to come up with fun-looking layup. But it all starts with fundamentals. We work the fundamentals, and everything goes from there. So as we get the main stuff right, good doctrine, understanding, knowing who God is, a, a solid inner life, it opens us up to the freedom of being able to minister everywhere we go. So Timothy's being encouraged to do this. He's also being encouraged to give this and share this and, and pass this along, right? Knowing who you are frees you up to do what you were called to do, right? How important is that? Knowing who you are, right? So we're not all freaked out and, you know, self-conscious and, and you know, I don't, I don't know. Who are you? Who am I? Tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. Knowing who you are changes everything. How do we know who we are? God tells us, right? So he continues this theme and he's encouraging Timothy in his calling. So verse 12, let no one despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and purity. So um, this is a, a verse I, I've heard taught at so many youth type events, right? And so let no, Timothy was not 15, okay? Just so you know. He's like been with Paul for like 15 years. Um, they, they think most likely he's somewhere under the age of 40. Most people think like mid-30s. Um, so, you know, not super, super young, but it doesn't matter. It still works, no, no matter what. I mean, obviously, if you're too young and you're a novice, then you shouldn't be in this position. Paul is not the type of guy to put someone in a position that they don't belong in. Paul's kind of like a stickler, right? He's like, you know, he set Timothy up for success, but he's also encouraging him. So let no one despise your youth. Timothy was sent to Ephesus, not invited by them. That's important to understand. Timothy came to correct something. You know what that's like when someone shows up to correct something? Right? Have you maybe you've had that at, at your work where all of a sudden there's a new person that comes in, then an advisor or something, and they're going to tell you all the stuff that's messed up. And you're like, listen, you have no idea. That water cooler goes right there. And you're like in tears, like, that's really important. 
Do you need all this stuff? Yes. Why? I don't know. You know, that's like cleaning your kids' rooms. Right? You're like, you haven't played with this in three years, but I will now. You know, it's like, hold on, hold on. Okay. So Timothy was brought in. He was a younger man, which is, is, makes it harder, right? People generally would respect older, someone older, especially uh, it's challenging when someone's younger than you. Props to you. When I came in at 33, you guys stuck around, okay? Because I know you're like 33, and I thought, well, you know, at 33, I thought that was older, and now I'm almost 40. What the that's been a long time. Anyway, uh, but like, you know, you realize that's, that's, that would be wild. You know, it's, it's different dealing with someone younger, right? And so Timothy had to deal with all that. He also had to deal with the fact that he was not asked to be there. And he came in to address some real problems. Timothy was a timid guy. You could see it. Paul's like constantly like trying to, Timothy, you're called to this. You got to go do this. I, I think he was, had a lot of anxiety. He had stomach issues, probably ulcers, right? Paul deals with that a little bit. Timothy's, he's like, I don't think I'm supposed to be the guy. Paul's like, you absolutely are supposed to be the guy. I actually think oftentimes the person who doesn't think they're supposed to be the guy or the girl is the one, right? The one who thinks they're supposed to be it, watch out. Those are scary people because they, they're looking for the, they're confident the prestige and the, 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 the whatever. This is a person who's like, I, are you sure? And, and, and Paul's like, God put you here for a good reason. Okay? You're there to deal with some real issues and you're going to grow up. You're going to have to grow up. I, I remember actually at one point we were on a mission trip and there was a leader that needed to be addressed and this person was much older than I was and, um, and knew much more than I did, but I was, I was ahead of this person in, on the trip. Like I was brought in as like second in command. I was 21 and, uh, I'd never even done this before. Uh, and the person who was supposed to be leading the trip had a family member sick, could not go. So all of a sudden I was there and I'm like, what am I doing? And then this person started taking over and, and another guy who was a leader on another trip said, you've got You've got to lead this group. You've got to take over because that person is not the person to be in charge. And I was like, I, but they know more. It's like, doesn't matter. God puts you here. And I remember being like, okay. So I had the conversation. I'm like, I know you know more than me about a lot of stuff, but I, I'm, I'm, I've got to be in charge of this. And I, I would love your help, but I've got to be the one. God has put me in this position to do that. That's hard to do, right? And, and it's, you've got to be somewhat assertive, but it's got to come from a place of God, God brought me here, put me here, and you do it with kindness and reverence, all that stuff, right? So he's encouraging him. Um, even though he's young and it's a daunting task, you need to prove yourself, but don't do it by worldly means, right? A lot of times that's what will happen. The, the, I remember this in school. Remember, you think, oh, it's a young teacher. And they were the worst, right? Because they'd come in and they'd want to, like, assert themselves and be like, no, I'm a teacher. Because they're, like, probably three years older than you or whatever, you know? And they're like, I'm in charge. And you're just like, what are you doing? You th thought you'd be cool, you know? Like, what, how did this happen? Uh, but a lot of times that's our response. When we uh, try to get leadership or find a, a place where we're trying to assert ourselves, we're rough. We do it in the ways of the flesh. Paul is going to tell Timothy how you, you bring influence through the way you live. 
how you build the, your culture through your character, right? So he encourages him what? To be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You're going to be an example. The word example is the same, it, it could mean type or pattern. You're going to be a pat, pattern. They're going to follow what you're doing, right? This is Paul, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not doing. Good leaders will lead from the front like that, right? They will, they will encourage you and want to do, they'll show you the things to do. And it'll be like, not like pushing or dragging, but leading, breaking, breaking the path, you know? Like trailblazing in a sense. Making it easier for each person to come after you. You know, I'm going to go through and we're going to clear out the brush and you come in right behind us. So imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, so imitate them in, uh, sorry, be an example to the believers in word. The word is logos or logos. That is in message. Give them the real message that saves. Give them the real word. That's, that's what a real leader will do. Not just like, you know, things that kind of help, self-help or, or, you know, stuff that's funny or, you know, or whatever. Any kind of things you could pick up from the world, from TED Talks or whatever. I don't think there's anything like innately wrong with some of that stuff. Some of it is for sure. We can learn things. We can learn things about leadership and stuff like that. But, but Timothy's first job as a minister of the gospel is to be an example in the word, Right? Give them the real message that saves. Deliver it well, deliver it accurately. Give them the real thing, right? The gospel is powerful. We know this, Romans 1.16. I reference it a lot because it's a really good verse. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I will deliver the gospel. I will continue to preach the gospel. Right? It's not a new message. I, it's not, it, you can't put your signature on it. Right? You can't market it. You can't make it like, you can't make money off. This, I, I, it's just, you give what you've received. Right? We can't add to it. We can't give it power. We share what we've already experienced. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 15, verses uh, three and four, he says, for I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He says, I didn't, I'm not giving you anything I didn't first receive. So we're in the same boat. I just received it a little earlier than you. You know, but that tells you the power of the message. And as soon as we get our eyes off the message, we kill it. We kill the message. We, we dilute Christianity and it becomes like a, you know, feel good self-help club. We don't want that. That's not the case, right? We give the gospel, the message that saves that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again. He established himself as king, Talks about that all the time. He established himself as king in a new kingdom. 
The good news of the gospel. We don't, it's not something we just, you know, drum up. It's, it, this is the message. So it's important for us, if we want to deliver this message to the world, that we really understand it and we are experiencers of it. That's why Paul was so effective. He never seemed to forget how desperate he was for the grace of God and the, and, and the good news of the gospel. It was like always on the tip of his tongue. It was such good news. We love good news, don't we? Love to share good news. You know, like, I, I mean, that, that's, I, lo- I love when I come home and my kids are all, they hear, Dad! And I hear them run. Because they are, no, I'm going to tell them. No, I'm going to tell them. No, I'm going to tell them. Right? And they're all trying to jump in front of each other to tell me some sort of good news. I don't know what it is. Dad, 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 dad. We saw, guess what we saw at the beach? Like, who? You know? And they're like, I was going to say it. You know, start, you know, whatever. You know, kids. Okay, you say the first five words. Then you say the second five words, you know. But they love to tell, we love to tell good news. Can I tell them? Can I tell them? I can't wait to tell them, you know. Dude, you made when Cannon made the all-star team this last year for baseball, and he was, he's like, can I call, can I call Grandma D and Grandpa? Can I call, you know, he's like, can I call them? Can I FaceTime them? Can I this? Can I that? And you're like, sure, sure, sure. Let's tell the good news. That's the gospel, right? So uh, message, the word is, is super important, that you be an example in word, that you know what you're talking about and you're saying it often, right? Again, in conduct, the way we live matters, right? Uh, Matthew 5, 16, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they, men they, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're about the message. Uh, like a lot of times you have to ask the question or I feel like a lot of times believers are about the message. Christians are about the message or they're about the conduct. <laughs> like, so it's like, no, you know, I'm just a conduct. Kind of, I'm just going to let my light shine in this way. And it's like, no, I'm going to preach the gospel. Kind of, We've got to be both. We have to be both. You can't be one or the other. Like, it's, it's got to be both. Lifestyle backs up what we preach, right? It's, that's, that's the main thing. Like, our lifestyle backs up what we say, that we believe it. It backs it up. It shows that you actually do believe it. Uh, and this is why when you go to the gym, you hire ripped trainers to, to be your, you know, the ones that, that's going to train you, right? You don't want to see a guy back there, you know, eating Cheetos and, you know, it's like, dude, I've got, I've got a PhD in this. And you're like, I don't want to hear it because it hasn't made any difference in your life. I see no change. So what am I supposed to do with that, right? So it's, 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 you, you're going to be looking for the real thing. When you see the real thing, you go, now that I'm interested in. What is that? I came into conduct. But, but at the same time, it can't just be conduct. It's got to be both, right? You've probably heard it, uh, the saying from St. Francis of Assisi was what? Preach the gospel at all times when necessary. Use words. Uh, that is not biblical. <laughs> Preach the gospel through your actions, absolutely. I, I do believe that. You know, our actions can't, but it doesn't really, it, it backs up what you're saying. 
There's no way people could go, whoa, thank you for that cup of water. Did Jesus die on the cross for my sins? Like, you're not going to make, how do we know that? How are they going to know unless they're told, right? Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to hear it, right? How are they going to hear it unless it's spoken? It's got to be said, but then backed up in conduct, right? So if you want to be a faithful minister of the Lord and you want to build culture, if you want to gain influence, speak the truth and back it up with your lifestyle, right? What else does it say? In love, you'll win their loyalty with your love and your character too. They're going to see it. When you love someone, people are drawn to people that love them. And it is a gaping hole in our society because even the word love doesn't mean love. The, the word here used, it's, it's agape love. So we know this comes from God. So as you're, being, as you're connected with God, as you're spending time uh, studying and learning and growing in prayer, uh, quiet time with the Lord, as you're receiving and his love is being poured out on you, we then can give it to the world around us. Agape, selfless love. That, that makes a huge impact for people listening to the message. It's amazing. I mean, if you've seen it happen, it's amazing when you get to be involved in someone's life and you get to love them in a unique way and they know where you stand and they know the gospel and you've shared what you're about. They are open to hearing more. What is this? This is not something I experience in the world. Right? It's agape love. This comes from a real relationship with God. A couple sayings I, I learned years ago from a guy who was just wise. I mean, he was just, he was real, he was prophetic too. The way he would speak, he had a, he always had like words for people that were, he'd always say, I don't know if this is from the Lord. It will always seem to be from the Lord. He was, which is, I love his humility, but he, he sent me, he gave me a list before I moved away from Redlands. And it was a list I, I had in my wallet for a long time until it fell apart. But it had these sayings on them, and he said, he would just say, hey, remember when you're ministering to people, uh, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. You know, if you don't have a relationship, those rules, they're going to end up breeding rebellion. People will care about what you know when they know how much you care, right? If you actually invest in people, they care. If they feel like they're, it's like door-to-door salesmen, what does that feel like, you know? Like, hey, you want to buy a Kirby vacuum? You're like, no, thank you. Are you sure? I, I'm pretty sure. Are you, it's like $3,000. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm very sure now. I was sure. Now I'm even more sure because I have a vacuum. Not that much carpet. Right? No, it's, it's, it's relationship, right? It, it, when you care about people, they listen, you know? Again, this is, this is not negate the first part, the message. But it is important that it is... Uh, done with the way we live, our lifestyle, and in love, right? In spirit, when they see the spirit working, uh, or the spirit, uh, they, they'll see in your life, they'll recognize it's a real thing. It's something you've got to experience, but it's something that's drawn in them. It's, it belongs. It's like there's something that it's like they're yearning for it because it was what they were created for. It's just like when we... When we look at the world around us 
And we see some, so many, there's so many good things. Man, it's so many beautiful things, you know. But there's so many dark things. And there's something in us innately that knows this is not the way it's supposed to be. Right? And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to be a Christian to know that. You can ask anyone that. They know there's something wrong here. What they think is wrong will differ greatly, right? What they think is the problem will differ greatly. But the fact that they look around and there is, they see there's something wrong with this place. We all have that hardwired in. Where would that come from except for the fact that we were made for something else? And, and we recognize that either we came from something or we need to go to something. So then how do we get there? Well, that's where things get really crazy. Well, we just need the government to make it for us. Well, that should work well. Since you've been to the DMV, I'm sure. Creating little pockets and spaces of joy, you know. I'm grateful for so many things. Good roads, clean water, it's great, you know. But, but like, that, that's not going to get us there, Right? People make promises all the time, and we're going to, you know, do this, and we're going to do that. And if we finally get to this point, then we'll do, but it's, it's like a, the goalpost keeps moving, right? As you get closer, it gets farther away. It's like an oasis in the, like, or a mirage in the desert. I think there's water there, right? You ever drive out to, like, Las Vegas area or going up, up that way, and it just, it, like, looks like there's no water. What is that, you know? It's a mirage. You can never get there. But there's something in us innately that knows that we're missing something, right? And the Spirit, it, it, it brings that to light. So when people, when they, when they see it, and they, it's like there's something in them that it like leaps for joy, right? Like, oh, there it is. So we minister in word, in the way we live, in love, in spirit, in faith, we align our life with our beliefs. That's not do as I say, not as I do. If you, if you, believe, if you believe it, your actions will align, right? You're not going to buy property on the water when you believe a tsunami is coming, right? You're not going to make decisions like it, it shows everything you need to know. Right? We can look around at the world, it's the hypocrisy everywhere. People say, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, but then their actions do the exact opposite. You know? Like we're, a lot of times, just follow the money. That tells you what people really believe. That's, that, that is a clear sign of what you think is the most beneficial, smart thing uh, to be investing in. Right? So, in faith, faith backs it up. In purity, this will keep the pastor and the flock. In purity, right? Keeping yourself in purity. Are you going to be perfect? No, not going to be perfect. But you're going to be putting safeguards and looking uh, to have people in your life and, and, and to be seeking with all diligence. Man, I don't want to blow this. This is what builds trust even when you're young and it might take a long time or take time, but it, it will work, right? Because you're the real thing. Then verse 13 says, till I come Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Um, what's funny is this is often the first thing to go. Listen to a lot of podcasts and leadership podcasts, and, and it's, it's a widespread thing. It's like pastor after pastor after pastor, because that's what we're talking about, Timothy. It's like 
there's always urgent things that come up. It's urgent, right? And the urgent always takes place of the important. So one of the things that you have to learn, we have to learn is to schedule what is important to you. You've got to schedule important things in your life and be ruthless about it, right? Uh, we know this. If you, you want to uh, make your wife important, you know, like we should schedule dates. This will be a date. And that's, that's all there is to it. There's not something else happening. That's it. We're going to do the date, right? If you care about exercise, you schedule it, right? This, is, this block is when I'm going to do this. I'm going to go do this. Uh, more importantly, above all, inner life with God. Really? And it's, work, it's really work hard. Spend time to do the deep work. Something that's been neglected and, and I think is, is, you know, study after study are saying it's becoming harder and harder and harder with the way technology is and the way the world we are. It's to do deep, focused work because we're constantly distracted right? I mean, your phone's just one thing after, oh my goodness. And someone needs, and they're not bad things. It's just people have access to us all the time, right? I mean, I, I, I had a pager in high school. See, now I'm, you know, and it was a pager and it had, it took double A batteries or something. There was no recharge, you know, and I had, it was usually in my car and, uh, and good luck, you know, getting a hold of me. You know, that was like, who knows if you're actually going to get a hold of me or not. Uh, if I'll look at it, if I'll check it, you know. Uh, and then we get cell phones. It used to be a landline. And your parents would have to, like, figure out what house you might be at, you know. They might be there. I don't know. I'll call there. Uh, they might be at, you know, whatever, the arcade, you know. <laughs> they might be, who knows, they're somewhere. Uh, we'll try and figure it out. It's amazing they didn't absolutely freak out, you know, back then. But then you get a cell phone, and now all of a sudden it follows you around. I remember a couple of years into having a cell phone, I had like left it in my friend's car, and I didn't have it for over a week. And I was so used to it, I like loved it. No one knew where I was, and I felt like I really had nothing to do. Uh, because if no one's telling you, you have stuff to do, you're just like, okay, whatever, I'm just like free. And then I finally got it back, uh, and people told me I was so selfish because I wouldn't pick up my cell phone. I was purposely not picking it up. And it was, it was crazy, though, but that was, used to be the world we would live in. Uh, it's easy to get out and to think and to, and to process, uh, you know, studies show. If you're trying to do deep work, like a lot of times I have to, like, write papers. So I'll just, I'll put, turn everything off and put it away or whatever. Because they say if you are really, really, really trying to do something that's deep and, and really, really work hard at it, studying, getting, getting into it, if you look at your phone it's like a 10 to 15 minute reset. Like it, it, it's crazy to really get back to the place you were at when you're really grooving. So you look and you check your email, reset. And then you get a notification, reset. Oh, new podcast, okay. And you, then you see, oh, the Dodger game is about to start, reset. It's like it keeps on, we're, we're constantly distracted to death. What he's telling him is he's like, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Spend time doing the stuff that matters. Block it out. Block it out and ruthlessly eliminate it. I love my wife for this. She's very hard to get a hold of, but her phone's almost always on airplane mode. It's like, who knows? So I'll call, she's not there. 
there's no way I can get, we don't have a landline. It's just like, I guess I could call a neighbor or put up like a, you know, a flare. It's me, you know, where are you? I don't know. So she, you can't get a hold of her because she's just like, I'm not letting this ruin my life. She usually doesn't have social media even on it. It's like, she doesn't have email. People be like, I emailed you like two weeks ago. She doesn't know. She didn't, she didn't see it. She's just like, I'm not doing that right now. I love that. I can't do that. It's like not literally I can't do that. That would be like I'd be fired. Um, and I'd be kicked out of school. I wouldn't be in school anymore probably. Um, but like it, it's, it's just like it's making the point to go, this is not control me. This will not rule me anyway. If you want to grow and make big effect, be a be big use for the kingdom, you've got to spend deep time. Spend time really thinking, processing, writing, journaling, praying, you know, get away. Love that. Love the fact that the mountains still don't have, doesn't have good cell service for the most part, like a lot of it. Like, again, I don't, I'm not getting any cell service. And after you get over the anxiety, it's like, it's freeing, right? I mentioned the years we would take our South Orange County kids to Colorado and there was no cell service for a week. Before you knew it, they didn't even care about their phones, right? Because it was just like, each other and God. It's awesome. Verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the eldership. If you have a gift, it means you're more capable. Like if, straight up. If you're gifted at something, it means you're more capable and don't have to work as hard at, at it. Right? If you're gifted. That's kind of the idea. This guy's gifted. He just doesn't have to work that hard, right? No, but the, if you're gifted, especially if you love the Lord, if you're gifted, it means you work even harder to harness the gift to the utmost. Because if we have gifts and we are lazy about our gifts, it actually becomes a weakness. Because gifting without character leads to failure. So if you've been given a gift... Use it. Cultivate it. Right? Spend time. You know, don't neglect the gift that is in you. Right? And especially he's saying, you, by prophecy, by the laying of hands, by the eldership, the leaders saw something in you. They saw and they knew that God was using you and he's called you out. And, and so you've been given this task. You've been gifted with the ability to do it. Now cultivate it. Make it work. I like the idea of cultivating. It, it, it's like you just, you're just working with, it, it, you think of like dirt, you know, and you just start working it and then you keep on working it. I, I like uh, going to the beach and trying to build like sandcastles. I'm not that good at it, but I like it, you know. We make stairs and the kids love doing that. The, you know what the key is? It's like an old card. That is the key. I'm telling you, you make flat, you know, flop it off. You're like, I made stairs. And then once you make stairs, the whole thing is stairs. That's this whole thing is stairs everywhere. We have stairs everywhere because it's the thing I can make look good. But there's something about a mound, and then you just sit there and you work at it, and you work at it, and you go, oh, no, that wasn't it. Add a little more dirt. <laughs> and you kind of keep on working until all of a sudden you're like, whoa. I used to do a lot of graphic design stuff back in the day. And that was the same thing. You'd sit there and you go, I don't know what to do. Well, you just, just work with what you got. And then you keep working it and you keep working it. You're like, oh, no, but that gives me an idea. <laughs> oh, but what if I, 
what if I, what if I, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that actually turned out pretty good. Cultivate it, work it. The gift that's been given to each one of us. Because the thing is, we all have gifts, spiritual gifting. If you're in Christ, you know, then you have, literally have gifting. I'd say, first find out what it is and then cultivate that thing. A lot of times what we do, we'll, we'll see this, uh, it's kind of like the way it's been for years where we figure out the things that we're good at and we go, okay, cool, I can cruise on those. And then we try to make ourselves good at things we're bad at. And that's actually like not super productive, right? You've got to be well-rounded, but the best thing you can do is find your lane, what God has created you to do, and then do that thing really, really well. That's what shape, shakes the kingdom. That's what shakes the world. That's what shakes communities. When they go, what is that? It's God-aligned gifting with hard work. You know? Look at the professional athletes. They are all gifted. They're all gifted. The difference between someone gifted and someone who makes it is the hard work element. And God put us here to not waste our time by the way, the lazier you are, the less content you are. Think, oh, if I just had less to do. No, that's not the case. God wants you to use what you have and the time we have wisely for his glory. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. There it is again, deep inner life. A leader's strength is in their inner life. Meditate on these things. And then, and then what's, what's the promise? It'll be amazing how visible the progress is to those on the outside. People can tell the difference. It's like you can smell it. Something about the real thing, you know? It's just authentic. And that's, that's what we're dealing with right now in the, the culture we live in. People are looking for authenticity, the real thing, because we've all been lied to and, and, and marketed to a million different ways. We're looking for something real. We get to be the something real. But how are you establishing the something real? You meditate and you grow and you let God cultivate and work in our inner life. Verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear. So take heed is... Same, same, it means to hold fast. Hold fast to doctrine, which is teachings, right? Make it your anchor for your soul. Anchor yourself to this, these truths, that we would be free because we know who we are and what we believe. We're all, and here's the other thing, we're all in this together. We're on similar journeys. Whether you're a leader, whether you're, you know, a new believer, whatever, we're all following, like Paul said, imitate me. Other translations say, follow me as I follow Christ. We're called to invest and discipline ourselves for ourselves and those whose life God has given us influence in. Like we're called to the purpose of ourselves. Usually that's what we think about. Man, am I going to heaven or hell? I want to make sure I'm doing just enough to go to heaven. God's like, that is like the worst response. Like I, I want you to experience like everything. I want you to, to experience like the garden here. I want you to experience closeness. I want you to work with me. I want you to see me work in your life and do things that you didn't think were possible. 
I want to see you influence. So it's like, it's for you, but it's also for those around you, right? But if, it's, if we're, we're not right personally, it's going to be messed up, you know, relationally in a community setting. So coming from that place where I all know, you know, none of us are perfect. We all feel like uh, that list, I could grow in every one of those categories, <laughs> And I want to, that's the thing that you want to because you see it's, it's got a greater influence on, on the world. It's like, and it's, it's what we're created for. It's like the answer, you know? We're too, too easily amused by things that don't really bring life. This brings life. This brings hope. So we invest in the stuff that matters. And then around us, our influence grows. And he wants to use us in everything we do. So... We recognize that our character matters. Our character influences the culture. Our character brings change to our communities. And our character has to be built on Christ. You know, it has to be built in that loving, living relationship with him. 